A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. Welcome back to Black Girl Watching. I am Brooke Obi, film critic, writer, editor, TV film expert, screenwriter, all of that. She has all the titles, y'all. And I'm Brittany Danielle. I'm a writer, editor, uh, cultural critic who loves watching and reading Black art. And today we are super excited to talk about episode two of Lovecraft Country, Whitey's on the Moon. Um, before we get started, though, spoiler alert, I don't know if we can put in a, a, bah, 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 a horn of some sort. If you have not watched episodes one and two of HBO's Lovecraft Country, we will be getting all the way into it. Um, so put a pause on it, go watch the episodes, and then come back and join us for today's podcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Black Girl Watching. That's B-L-K-G-R-L-W-A-T-C-H-I-N-G on Twitter. And you can always hashtag Black Girl Watching too to join in with us on the convo, ask your questions, anything that you think that we missed, um, anything that you want us to answer um, or you want us to help get you the answers for, because, you know, we have the inside scoop. You know, we're, we're out here. We have a very special guest today. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that to hear from uh, our very special guest. And let's get into it. Let's get into Whitey on the Moon. I feel like you're being a little hesitant to say who the special guest is. <laughs> we can say who our guest is. It is the illustrious, the iconic, illustrious, yes, Courtney B. Vance, also known as Uncle George. We got Uncle George, y'all. So again, spoiler alert: he is back from the dead. R.I.P. Uncle George. He has come to join us today. So definitely stay tuned a little bit later in the show so you can hear what he has to say about this episode. Yeah, so let's get into it. What were your first reactions? I was full, <laughs> outside of um, being completely distraught, like Atticus and Letty and even Montrose being distraught about Uncle George's death. What were some of your other reactions to this episode? Yeah, I mean, just on that point, too, I literally have seen this episode four times. And when I tell you I've bawled every single time, um that's that Yale that's that Jonathan Majors acting all in the face um that just got me at the end of this episode um and also just like the confusion when somebody's dying and you and you know Letty she's trying to comfort him but she doesn't know how I mean it was just so perfectly well done I mean Journey Smollett shout out to her I mean just perfectly uh done there definitely gutted me uh, but there's so much in this episode. There is so much stuff that happened in this episode. I mean, essentially what this show was supposed to be about based on the first episode was Atticus getting a letter from his father that he's estranged from, Montrose, saying, I, you come find me. Um, and he goes on this adventure with Letty and Uncle George to get to Artem, uh, which is in Lovecraft country, um and uh to find his to find his father so he finds his father in this episode and essentially uh they have tricked Atticus into coming to find his father um because they need his blood he is the last surviving uh descendant of this which what is a warlock who 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 how would you titus. describe he's he's the he's the titus. last surviving descendant of titus brace white who is a slave owner slash um i don't even know uh warlock uh cult leader order of the dawn founder something um magical person who's trying to get back to eden um paradise basically and and kind of um achieve immortality but shout out to the ancestors fucking up all that burning everything down it don't happen right 
through that, I mean, you guys just kind of see uh, who's actually running things too. So we're also introduced to the mysterious white woman who was in the silver uh, Bentley that stopped the white supremacists from killing George and Letty and Tick in episode one and made their car flip over and, and, and killed the white supremacists that were chasing them. So we find out Christina Braithwaite is actually the one who convinced her father to trick Atticus into coming and to, into doing this spell. We, exactly. We get uh, confirmation that they've been kind of protecting um, Tick, Letty, and George all along, but we don't know why. And so when we get to episode two, we find out why. They need Tick. They need Atticus. They need his blood. They need his body, really. They need him to sacrifice himself um, so that Samuel Braithwaite can gain immortality. But again, the ancestors got another plan, so it don't go down like that. Exactly. And the other thing that we see um, Christina being in charge of um, that first episode, they were being uh, accosted by these uh, police that were trying to kill them, essentially, for being in a sundown county after sundown. The monsters come out, and the monsters actually kill uh, the police, and they don't kill um, George and Letty and Tick. And it turns out, when they're about to, when the monsters are about to attack, a whistle is blown. And they all, the monsters go away. They run away. Um, and so you find out in this episode, who's holding the whistle? Um, the monsters try to attack again, um, George, Tick, and Letty when they're in the woods. And Christina saves them once again by blowing that whistle and the monsters go away. So we see she's in charge of the monsters. Um, and she's also in charge of their minds. Um, so she erases the memory of George and Letty so that they have no memory of the monsters at all. And so it's not clear whether she can't control Tick's mind or if he just, you know, she wants him to be the one that remembers everything and to feel crazy. I, I'm not sure what her intentions are there, but yeah, it keeps the three of them kind of divided because only Tick can remember what actually has been going down. Yeah, and I know one of the um, conversations people are having, I've listened to a bunch of other podcasts. I've been on Twitter, obviously, hashtag Lovecraft Country. And if you're on Twitter and you want to have a conversation with us, hashtag Black Girl Watching. Um, but one of the things people wondered about after episode one was if the monsters um, were kind of working against the racists, because like you mentioned, they only ate the racist sheriffs and and the police officers, even though they were extremely threatening to take Letty and George um, in the shack and in other ways. And here we know that that's not, they're not some kind of um, force that only takes out racists. They're a force that is controlled by Christina. So they, they have her bidding in mind. And, and for Christina, her goal is to bring Atticus to this mansion. Um, so she has to not allow them to get eaten. Um, we also see in this episode how they were born. There's that weird scene where some little boy comes and tells her, like, it's time. And she's like, okay. And she runs down to near the, the jailer spot um, and pulls one of the baby monsters out of a cow. Go it's ahead. so disturbing. Why are we watching a white woman give birth to a monster? There's some there's some sort of like allegory happening here. I don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? I have no idea, but I think it is supposed to be um, for Christina. This is some sort of magnificent transformative moment because one of the people says, is this your first time? And she's like, yes. And so she's literally pulling and wrenching and pulling with all of her might this monster we still don't know exactly how they're created. Like, how are they able to um, turn this cow into a surrogate <laughs> for these monsters? But she's pulling this monster, and it means so much to her, and she's so excited. And this it's like a super gruesome thing. And so I think that, like, many of the choices in this show is very um, intentional. 
but I'm right. not sure why. Right. But yeah, we just know that this is a white woman with a little bit of power. Um, and she's, she's smart. Um, and you know, she, she could be, uh, forced to be reckoned with. Yeah. One of the things that kind of keep popping up, um, one of my first reactions to this episode, I kind of jotted down a bunch of notes, um, around kind of big get out energies <laughs> and that kind of centered around Christina's character when, you know, she is on one hand protecting them, protecting Atticus, um, George and Letty to get them to this, to get them to Artem. But on the other hand, she's not really protecting them because she knows what her father wants to do to Atticus. She doesn't really care about George and Letty. Um, she finds them disposable as we see later in the episode. Um, but at some point after, you know, Letty, George and Atticus find Montrose and they're trying to escape um, and then they're unable to to escape because of the magical barrier and Letty gets shot. Um, George gets shot and then he, after Letty gets shot, uh, uh, Atticus says, Christina, help us because he's had a conversation with her and I guess he found her somewhat friendly i didn't i didn't get that vibe so i don't know why he asked she, for her help but because she said she wanted to be his friend that she that he could consider her a friend and he said well friends uh aren't just talking they provide action so why don't you take the spell off of letty and george so that they can remember what happened so she takes the spell away and letty and george are going crazy in their rooms because they finally remember being attacked by monsters twice in a period of 24 hours and so he takes that as okay this is somebody that you know maybe is at least trying to show that she can be a friend and so yeah he calls on her when nah, uh, Samuel Braithwaite shoots Letty as a consequence for them trying to run away um, when Tick hasn't fulfilled his obligation to be a part of the ceremony um, and so he calls on her to help and she turns her head and yeah, Letty dies. Even that conversation where he was, you know, asking him to asking her to remove the spell, that didn't seem particularly friendly to me. So I don't know why he thought she was gonna be a friend. Well, the um, first thing that he calls on is he calls on Uncle George first. So Uncle George tries to come and then Samuel um Braithwaite shoots at Uncle George's feet. So um, you know, he, 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 he's desperate. He has no one else to call on. So he's trying to get Christina because she thinks that Christina can, he thinks that Christina could possibly impact her father. Um, you know, and that's obviously either something she knows she can't do or has no interest in doing. Um, and so it was really just a plea for desperation because Letty is dying. She's dying quickly and she literally dies like in his arms, right in front of him. And yeah, um, and it seems, you know, a little bit upsetting because it's like, here we go again with, you know, the black woman has to be sacrificed so that the hero can learn a lesson. So I'm like, okay, what's going on here? But fortunately, that trope is subverted. Unfortunately, it's subverted, subverted to the death of Uncle, Uncle George. Right. Um, I'm still, I'm still not over it. R.I.P. I'm pour out some good, some good liquor for him. Yes. But um, you know, later in that episode, she's telling him like, not all white folks are out to get you, which I literally rolled my eyes at during her little, during their little chat because I'm like, wow, is this, is this white feminism at play? Like, what is happening? Am I supposed to feel bad for Christina because she wants power and she wants to be in this order that's racist as fuck? She wants to be in this order, but she can't because she's a woman. And she tells, you know, when, after Letty dies, but they still take her back. After Uncle George is shot, um, I guess there's some kind of deal between Atticus and Samuel. Like, hey, I'll heal your people if you participate in this ritual. So he goes through with it. And while he's getting ready, she's like, 
you get this ring for doing nothing other than being a man. And he's like, not even a white man at that. And I'm just like, I don't know. I did not, I did not like that. I did not like it. I trust Misha and company, but I just didn't like that because it made, it gave some sort of sympathy to Christina. Like she was just some sort of unwilling participant in all of this. When actuality, she was a very willing participant in all of this and she was the mastermind i guess i guess we're supposed to feel bad because she can't get the power that she wants i feel like if she's able i feel like if she's able to be in the order of the dawn she's not going to care about what happens to atticus or letty or uncle george She, she doesn't have a conscience in that way i think her thing is about not having this access to this particular power and being brushed aside because she's a woman um, but also not seeing these black people at her, as her equals. And for me, traditionally, um, white women have kind of been left off or left out of the brutalities of things like slavery and oppression because they are also oppressed by men. Let's keep it 100. But also, they also oppress others. So for me, this is kind of like, let's have a redeeming moment for Christina in a way that I feel like she didn't deserve. I don't know that it was redeeming, honestly. I really don't. I mean, I I didn't feel sympathy for her, obviously. And I felt like when you felt big get out energy, I think, I mean, it's Jordan Peele. Like, it's intentional. Like, I think he was telling us, don't trust this white woman. Um, And I think that Atticus knows not to trust her too. Um, I think he is reading her mind and trying to make her like form some sort of like bond with her so that she will help him if he needs help. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's why he responds to her by saying not even a, a, a white man at that, you know, I'm a black man and I still have more, you know, access than you have in this particular situation. Um, but I do, and you know, I, I think it was meant to rub us the wrong way, honestly. But on the other hand, too, mm-hmm. like there is, you know, black men and white women um, are on that same tier that you're talking about in the space where they can be both oppressed and oppressors in that space of privilege. Um, black men with patriarchal power over women, um, and then mm-hmm. white women with. Um, white supremacist power over black people, but I I don't think that Atticus is. I mean, he's the. They've been telling us the entire time, even though white people recognize how smart he is and how dangerous that makes him. So I don't think um, that it's kind of setting us up to feel any sort of sympathy for Christina. It's setting us up to know what her motivations are. She's doing all this because she wants access to power. And that is white feminism, right? Like it Mm. is, I want to be in, you know, I'm white. I've been told that I am supreme. Why do I not have access to all the things that whiteness should allow me access to? Um, That is, you know, that is very big uh, Susan B. Anthony energy um, as well. And Mm -hmm. White supremacy in general, I think, is a big kind of theme here. It's like evangelical, like white supremacist readings of the Bible, right? This is the order of Adam and Samuel Braithwaite, um, scary bleach blonde um, man with his bleach blonde daughter, and saying that I, I'm the son, I am Adam, I, I am the original uh, man, even though. The Garden of Eden is supposedly someplace in the middle of Africa. I partly agree. I'm not letting this go. I think there is some sort of reconciliation (laughs) happening with Christina because because she is the one who tells Atticus, like, hey, when you see whatever it is, sees it, and he has that recognition when he's going through this procedure and the electricity and the garden of eating is forming and he happens to catch a glimpse of the ancestor and he like really focuses on it at that point like for me she was telling him like hey when you see your moment seize it and that was his moment for me that was like huh she's not that bad like that's what I felt they were trying to tell us I'm not sure that that 
actually what they were trying to tell us, but I feel like it's a little bit muddled where Christina is um, angry enough, I guess, at her father that she doesn't have this particular access to power. She's, she's annoyed that Atticus does have it, even though he's black, um, but she still gives him this advice that ends up saving his life. Um, I feel like that sets her up as some type of heroine that I am not comfortable with. I'm not um, okay with giving her that because she is fully complicit in everything else that happens. You have to look at what her intentions are too. Like heroes have to have good intentions. Her intention is to punish her father for keeping her out of the order because he's the one that's in charge. He could change the rules if he wanted to. Um, and he, you know, he's the last um, white braith white man. <laughs> so he, he does have the ability, I think. He even said, you know, he picks and chooses what, you know, he's not a zealot. He doesn't follow the, um, the bylaws of the Order of Adam, you know, as, as they're written. He just has to make sure other people do. So he could actually change the rules and let his daughter in if he wanted to, and he just didn't want to. So she's obviously trying to punish her father, um, and the advice that she gives Atticus helps him to, you know, redirect the power that he's getting by the door of door to the Garden of Eden opening up and him connecting with his ancestor. Um, and he, you know, ends up killing everybody uh, in the Order of Adam um, and bringing the house down. Um, but I think, you know, whether you know Christina survives or not, her intention was not to help. Atticus survived her intention was to punish her father so I I don't see her in any way I mean I think those code words that she's been using um not all white people I mean like no good person is using not all white people I felt like some big Karen energy from her and I was not appreciating it um but kind of going back yeah I I get it I get it we're supposed to see it but I, I still didn't like it. I mean, <laughs> we didn't even get into the fact that this show is, uh, this episode is called Whitey on the Moon. Um, Let's get into based... it. Let's get into it. Why, yes. why do you think this episode is called that? I was, I, you know, and the, the Whitey on the Moon poem happens during this, ep- during the scene where, um, Samuel Braithwaite is trying to open the door to the Garden of Eden so he can step step through and get immortality. But why do you think that that was the particular choice and why do you think this episode is called that? Right. So this is, you know, the poem performed by uh, Gil Scott Heron. Um, and he says in the poem, in the introduction to the poem, that you um, will play a little bit of here. Um, he is essentially saying, um, things are bad for black people. A rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bills, but Whitey's on the moon. Ten years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. Things are really bad for black people. We are uh, getting <laughs> bitten by the rats that are infesting our houses. Our rents keep getting higher. Mm-hmm. We keep paying all this money in taxes and we don't see anything from it. But the government is using all this money and celebrating the fact that they sent white people to the moon. And so this is supposed mm-hmm. to be such a great achievement. We're the greatest country in the world, but look what's happening to black people. So that's essentially like in this uh, uh, era um, of time. So this is again, you know, this is what? 15 years prior to uh, Gil Scott Heron's poem that came out in 1970. Um, But there's no difference of the situation that's happening. So white people are creating monsters. This white woman birthed a monster out of a cow. Um, There's so like, there's all of these, these very, very rich white people. Their main concern is immortality and getting back into the Garden of Eden. We're in their rightful place before Eve and women ruined everything. Like that's what this white man, Samuel Braithwaite, his main goal is. And so black people are like just trying to go from one city to the next city um, without encountering any police, without being caught in a sundown county. 
Um, you know, and they can't do that. But white people's concerns are so like they have the money and the time and the luxury to be concerned with immortality. What black people want to live forever in this racist world? They just want to keep being, you know, killed and by by the racist monsters, by police, by the conditions of poverty and everything else um, just to come back to life and keep doing it over and over and over again for eternity like black people aren't trying to be immortal but that is right. the difference I think that was what they're trying to convey here like that is the the schism that exists between the like white people live in a completely different reality and that mm-hmm. is what uh, Tick, Uncle George and Letty are discovering as they come into Lovecraft Country, as they come into Artem and into this lodge uh, where these sociopaths are trying to gain, you know, using magic and spells and all these kinds of things. Like, that's what they want to do with the power. That's ridiculous. Right. That's just ridiculous. Right. Instead of making conditions better for everybody, they want to focus power and attention on living forever and not even living forever for everyone, which would probably be terrible, but living forever for this particular white man. And it completely backfires like this whole franchise of America. This this is going really dark. Like this whole franchise of America, which is built on black people, like, it's not going to prosper if you don't make room and um, make opportunities and, and equality, et cetera, for everyone, because there's always going to be some sort of discord. There's always going to be some sort of strife. There's always going to be some sort of striving. There's always going to be some sort of uprising and revolution if you don't have an equal society. So, right. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really dope. I heard Nisha on Nisha Green, which is the creator, writer, showrunner of Lovecraft Country on a different podcast um, called The Watch. And she was talking about how, you know, the show is about, you know, it's set in the 50s, but it could be set at any time really in America because it's about the story of America and how things really haven't changed. Um, We've gotten more modern. We have better technology. We have podcasts. (laughs) We have social media. But like the condition for Black folks and other people of color in this country has not changed very much from sundown towns. I mean, you have people who, um, sure, you might say like, oh, there's no signs up that say niggers can't be here after dark. But if black people or people of a darker hue are in a particular area after dark, they're getting pulled over, right? They're getting searched. They're getting thrown to the ground. They're getting questions like, why are you here? That's the whole point of Ahmad Arbery being killed where he was because he was just like a black man running through a particular neighborhood and people thought he looked out of place. That's Rakia Boyd having a car accident and going to somebody's house for help and they felt like she was out of place and they shot her like this could be now it could be then it could be anytime and and it's really really sad and I don't know man we're tired but also the show's great the show is amazing um I also want to point out too like we keep saying um Tick's ancestor so what's actually happening here is this is his great 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 grandmother Her name is Hannah, and for some reason, um, Tick's mother, Dora, told uh, Uncle George about her great-great-great ancestor, Hannah, who was uh, enslaved to Titus Braithwaite, and Titus Braithwaite and the whole lodge burned down in a fire, and the only person that escaped from that fire was Hannah, and Hannah was pregnant while she escaped, assuming that Titus was, um, trigger warning, raping Hannah, she escaped with child. And so that is how Tick never knew that history, never knew that hidden legacy um, that's been alluded to in these first two episodes. And so um, she essentially is the one that leads Tick out of the house as it's crumbling Um, and she's the one that kind of encourages him, I think, more so than Christina, 
Um, I think he makes it, he sees his pregnant ancestor, Hannah, um, in the middle of a fire in the same house, because this is a replica house that they're in right now. Um, and he follows after her. So he's basically doing what she did. I think that he may have been trying, you know, he was also trying to open the door to the Garden of Eden and uh, Titus Braithwaite and, and she set the whole place on fire uh, and, and escaped. Mm-hmm. So he, Atticus, right. is essentially following behind her. He runs behind her, this vision of her. Um, she's not actually there. He runs behind a vision of her and that's how he escapes from the house as it's crumbling down to the ground and after it's destroyed everybody. Um, and so that's essentially, you know, he's kind of, that is the legacy, you know, killing white folks that are trying to kill you and burning everything to the ground and leaving nothing but ashes behind you. They both, they both did that. So I think uh, that was a really interesting um, way, I think, for him to kind of close the loop on that, on the legacy. I don't know if the loop is closed, um, but, right. you know, the arc is kind of closed, like they set out to find out what the legacy was and for him to help free his father. They freed the father. Mm-hmm. The, the order is burned down. Uh, the, the house is in ashes and so are the people who are in the order. Um, so it seems like maybe, you know, his legacy, I don't know, maybe it's fulfilled. I really enjoyed that scene. I was glad everything came crumbling down, but I was also worried about what that means for the future. Let's get into um, more about what the differences are between the book and the show. And a really, really big one um, we're going to talk about with Cordy B. Vance coming up right now. Don't you ever let them make you question yourself. That's how they win. They want to make us crazy. Terrorize us. Make us scared. Leticia fucking Lewis don't get scared, do she? No, sir. No, that's right. Welcome to the iconic uh, Courtney B. Vance on to Black Girl Watching. We're so happy to have you on the show. Uh, So tell us, what was the pitch? What did they tell you about Uncle George that made you say, I have to sign on to this? This is this is going to be something that's really special. They didn't need to tell me anything other than uh, Misha Green was uh, showrunning it and uh, humming this because I'm a huge fan of hers and a huge fan of her um, underground. And um and I, I, I'm in my mind that show should still be running, um, but that's the way love goes, as uh, Janet says. Um, but uh, I, 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 that's all that needed to be said to me that Misha was was uh, show running this, and and that uh, she we, she and I sat down and she briefly told me about you know what was you know what the journey was, um, you know it, it's it's a show that's very hard to explain. You, you get a Green Book uh, family that's going around charting out the uh, um, places for black folks to stay in the 50s and uh, down south, and uh, I know that intimately. Um, and then uh, um, in the midst of that, there's uh, uh, monsters. Uh, I said, okay, got it. What the heck does that mean? Um, so, uh, um, you know, I kind of got it, but it... Uh, um didn't you know you you just have to leap of faith and get in we none of us really i don't think really really knew um maybe jonathan maybe journey because they they did and they had more um you know facetime with uh um uh, misha about it um but it is it was a it was it's a difficult to explain you know all that the world is about um, and, um, and, and I'm, I, you know, so I, that's all I can say that I, 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 it was about her. I wanted to be with her, um, because I, I thought that underground was, you know, the making, uh, this, uh, the, uh, the underground railroad an action flick was, was nothing short of brilliant and should have ran for four, you know, three or four or five years. So 
um, I wanted to see those characters. I wanted to see their their journeys over time. So, um, but that's what we that's you know that uh, one door closes, another one opens. That's why we're here talking today. Yeah. Um, in terms of episode two, um, Uncle George. This is a very Uncle George heavy episode. He sort of cracks a lot of codes. He finds the books of the bylaws. Um, and you are the first person we see who's opening this episode. You're enjoying your luxurious robe and library. But your death also <laughs> closes the episode, and I was distraught. I will say that. Um, so what did you feel like when we read the script for this episode, particularly coming off such a, uh action-heavy first episode, which was a lot? Um, well, you know, uh, I, I, I knew about it. I knew that that uh, I would be, you know, uh, saying goodbye in 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 the second episode. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's those are those things, those scriptural, structural things that you know somebody's death propels the the series. You know, someone has to be sacrificed on the altar of, of structure, uh, and uh, that was me. And but. Um, this is um this is a um monster movie and uh um no telling what can happen <laughs> what can ha- happen so uh, i i'm just i just leave it there that uh that it was disappointing but at the same time what an episode what a ride and that uh um um the the series is uh just beginning well, it was absolutely a ride for sure, and that oh, rest in peace, Uncle George. Like that, that really did mm. take me out too. But mm. in the book, George doesn't die right here. Uh, George mm-hmm. and Montrose and Letitia, they like they all get out um, after know, everything happens. So, I know, but like, again, oh, you know, you this, read the is, book? this no, I did not read the book. Um, but but this is this is not the book. This is the the series and when you when you when you leave the the pages and go on to um the imagination and uh you you have to um you have to make some some structural changes in order for the the piece to 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 work and so you you uh you don't know yet where misha is is going so that structurally um that had to happen for, for uh, you know, and, and with these pieces, the, every two or three episodes, there's a boom. What? There's one of those, and so which propels you, uh, and then there's a little lull, and then there's you know two episodes that there's not what, and culminating in the uh, the finale, a big what, which propels you into waiting uh, for the next season to be. Um, to be uh, to re- be released. So I mean that's just that's the, just the way it is. It, you know the the book is the book. You know so um, you know with with the series um, there's got to be these these moments of jolt um, and usually it's you know deaths and um, you know maimings and you know all kind of uh, you know the things that 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 that. that uh, jolt you out of your seat. So that was, we achieved it with, with my death. We certainly did. One of the things that um, we really loved about this show is just the fullness, um, the full picture of black life that they paint. And so the first mm-hmm. time we see Uncle George, he's with his wife, Hippolyta, and they're in bed. And that's like not something that we normally see to black people of a certain age. Um, mm-hmm. engaged in intimate activity, just loving up on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what that was like working with Anjana Ellis, who is also an amazing actor? Um, but that is definitely one of the things that we appreciated, being able to see black people um, and older black people in love mm-hmm. and expressing love. Mm-hmm. And respectfully done, you know, not, you know, showing cracks and, you know, all kind of toes and you know, booties, and I mean, it, it's a, you know, it's it's not, it's just we you leave, leave, okay, leaving uh, enough, leaving something for the uh, sanctified imaginations to 
just you know just go whoa that you know so I, you know it's 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 it was done i mean these days you you know before you know there has to be a an intimacy coordinator a choreographer uh, on set i mean so it is uh, you know there these things take a lot of time and they're actually really talked through and um they're storyboarded and so um you know it is it's not a simple just let's get in there and see how it goes. Not anymore. These things have to be, you know, so uh, so that there's there's no there's no lawsuits and um, people feeling that they were taken advantage of and and pressured and all of those kinds of things. So uh, this was uh, something that was talked through and and really um, does this how does this make you feel? You feel at all? Do you feel comfortable? Do you, you know? So it is. It was. It was lovingly done. Anjanu uh, is one of my heroes, and um, I am a huge fan of her. She was wobbed for the Emmy. She should have gotten a nomination for her role as the mother in the Clark Sisters, um, and because she was uh, just throwing shoes and and popping people up in the head. I mean, it was just. She was just phenomenal. She's a phenomenal actress. Um, but you know things happen the way they happen, and uh, as I said earlier, a door closes and another opens. This one opened, and she is fierce in this one. So I, I'm I'm praying and hoping that this you know this is her moment that she gets the uh, opportunities to opportunity to shine and uh, and get some recognition for how wonderful she has been throughout her career. Yes, um, so we've we've watched a little bit ahead, so we know that there's some really exciting stuff for um, Anjanu Ellis mm-hmm. coming up, uh, so we're looking mm-hmm. forward to that. But one of the things that mm-hmm. I love, love, love about the first and the second episode of Lovecraft mm-hmm. Country is Uncle George is redeeming the Green Book. Like, with the Safe Negro Travel Guide, I feel like we finally have on screen, like, a an ex- an example of what the green books were, how they were. Mm. Um, we see, you know, Uncle George is like a Hugo Green character who is creating this, um, curating this book and has a network of people that are working on it, helping him with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. how did you feel about that, um, you know, considering the movie green book that came out where we didn't really learn anything about the green book? <laughs> You make it plain, make it plain, make it plain. Um, I was uh, very happy about the fact that we could teach, and that's what we do. We teach it, and you just make giving people an opportunity to to Google and you know to do some research on your own and find out well what what the, what the Green Book, what the what the, what the, what the, what the, how is it, the, when did it, and where did it, and you know what wherefore and the, it it's an opportunity for us to be able to do our own research and find and educate uh we always say that our children are going to have one kind of education at school but they're going to get another education at home and that 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 education that education is our job um because you know the the whitewashing that happens in these institutions is complete and uh, um, you know, and the, and the blackwashing, you know. So we are we are so proud uh, with, of of Misha. And you know, come on now, she had she had James Baldwin narrating a montage. What? Come right. on now, a voiceover over over a montage teaching. What are you talking about? You can if she's doing that in the first episode, you know what's coming. So it's 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 a we are so excited and this show is just exactly what we need right now to be able to to give people some 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 jump out of their seat with the horror because people love the horror but at the same time you she's up there teaching in the middle of it and you're just seeing you know your your black white families gathering people talking around the water cooler the next day or maybe the the uh, the uh, the Zoom cooler because ain't nobody doing no water cooler to here and you know, getting getting their 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 chance to see some and learn about because you know white folks out they be saying 
I don't know black people. I don't know what what does it mean. How does it? How do you? What is? I, I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, so for, because for the longest time, they've been able to in the world is is makes it possible for them to keep their heads in the sand, and there's no there's no shame in it. And you know, you're busy. You know, you there's there's in in for I think in a real sense they feel that that's what black folks deserve because as we know, black lives don't matter. Um, so we get the worst of the worst and the, the separate but equal still, you know. So what, what we've done is come to the fore and gone like the Me Too movement. It says you can't no more, no more. You know, we're here. You can't deny that you have, we have been treated second class. Yes, we've got Obama. Yes, Michael Jackson. But for the most part, when you look at the broad, there's always one or two or three people per million that pop. That doesn't mean that's the, that's the, everything is all set for black people. When you start looking behind the scenes and behind the curtain with the, with the Oz, Wizard of Oz, you look behind the curtain, you see that there's a there's a river of hate that goes through the country. There's there's uh, there's the health and the situation with black folks. That's why Corona is is impacting folks of color in a in a disproportionate uh, amount. And uh, so we we if black lives do matter, if we have established that they do, then things need to be looked at. Everything needs to be looked at. You, you, we're not going to be able to go back to life as we knew it because life as we knew it was there was somebody of color to dump on we're saying black lives matter you can't dump on black people and native american and transgender folk and 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 gay folk you cannot dump on them you've got to open up the circle and say okay how are we going to do this and actually here we go wait for it ask somebody what Mm. they think what you think? How does this go, African American po- person? How does this go? To, you mean you got to have a dialogue with somebody that you don't know? You actually got to say you don't know what to do? Come on now, come on, man! As our, our president said, "Come on, man." So <laughs> I'm, I don't I don't even remember the question anymore. I, I went on the panel, but I feel good. I no, amen. Yeah, indeed. I think one of the most um, interesting things about the show is that even though it is that in the 50s, it feels incredibly timely, which is what you were just touching on. It feels incredibly um, timely to this particular moment we're in, particularly this year, when we've seen um, even more waves of protests around Black Lives Matter, around racial injustice and police brutality. Um, You already kind of touched on what you think the show can kind of instruct us in 2020 about opening a conversation, um, kind of opening a dialogue. And one of the things that was was really interesting to me is that, sure, it's a a monster show. Um, uh, You keep calling it a movie, which I find interesting because it's super cinematic. So obviously I think it's... Mm. It feels like a movie, um, mm, it does. but those monsters are not just the you know snarling beasts we see popping out of the ground. Those monsters are also the people. Hmm. Hmm. No, they are, and that I mean that, and that that propels us out of the fifties into the into our uh, time period and, and uh, to twenty twenty, and we see what what's happening is monstrous as as a. a uh, President Obama said that everybody should be able to vote. We should be making it easier for people to vote. We should be trying to find ways to make it easier for people to vote. We're 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 looking at a a, a situation where things are being the, the things are continuing to be made more difficult for people to vote, and 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 that that is and that's again, if Black Lives Matter, that should not be okay. But and you you can't put your continue to put your head in the sand and go. I know that's just what it is. That's not what it is. Stop it. And and when someone says that's just the way, no, that's not right. Do something about it now, because as we've established, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. So 
why are there only is there only one um, voting machine that works in a black area? What is that about? Deal with that. Go figure that out now. You got 75, 74 days to figure that out. Figure it out. Stop the post office mess. Stop that. Don't allow the, the, the no, but no one is above the law. Even the president is not above the law. Stop that. The postmaster general, if he's doing some mess like that, mm-mm, shut it down. Get him out of there. It you you we cannot have it. And one of the things too about this show that I found really interesting um, is that it you know you're from Detroit. It, it it focuses on the Midwest. We've seen what's happening in Minneapolis. We've seen. Uh, I mean, they're, they're still protesting to this day about George Floyd. Like that that is continuing to this day. It's been several months now. Um, you know, we saw what happened in Ferguson. But usually, when we talk about racism, when we talk about you know, uh, Jim Crow, uh, we talk about the South, we talk about how bad it was in the deep South. Um, but this show, you know, it, it focuses very heavily on the Midwest to let you know, like, mm-hmm. this is happening everywhere. So what did, what did you think um, of, was the significance of setting the show, like, in Chicago as somebody who is, you know, from the Midwest and has had experiences in the Midwest? Come on now, you know, Detroit. <laughs> Was had the I mean the, every city that great migration happened. You had you had wave upon wave of black folks going to the to these cities, and they were overrun. You had over seventy years people coming. Two million people came to Detroit and, and Chicago and St. Louis, and I mean all these 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 numbers of people and there was no discussion about how to handle and what to let's have some therapists talk to people about how to you know segue from the south to the north. nobody nobody talked about it we, we just you know the black folks were coming and they this herded them into the slums and uh in the south side of chicago and and uh you know the, because at that point you know black lives didn't matter and they we don't want these people up here anyway, and and uh, you know they they we're not gonna help them at all. So you know the 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 the, the it's in the north because the north became the south because all the people from the south came up to the north, and and nobody helped them when they came up with their country ways and their cloud hoppers and their their shoe boxes lined with foil with the chick fried chicken in there. And the, the, you know the, the, all the, the wonderful food, the, the, the whole cakes and and the fried, you know, green tomatoes and all, all the stuff that we came up with that uh, uh, ends up, uh, you know, soul food. Make, can you make me some soul food? You know, because we are we are the color, we are the noise and the funk. We are the soul because we've had to black lives have not mattered and we've had to scrounge our way. And everybody knows you got to be two or three or four times as good just to be uh, in the mix. Uh, and that's what we learned coming up. We, we are um, uh, and, and uh, survivors and, and still that's not just surviving, thriving and, uh, and, and, and not, you know, just giving up. You know, uh, uh, the, the President Obama said it that if anybody needed to give up, it's, it's our grandfathers and our great grandfathers and our parents of what they what they went through and lived through when there was no uh, light in in the tunnel at all, and they still kept pushing forward. So you know, we, we, this 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 uh, this these obstacles that are placed in front of us stop now. You ain't going to defeat us if if you didn't defeat. Our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents, uh, you're not going to feed us now. There was a conversation happening on Twitter after the first episode, Sundown, mm-hmm. about Sundown Town. Some people had never heard of Sundown Town, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, you know, for some of us, that was that was surprising, uh, particularly mm-hmm. if we have, you know, parents or grandparents who grew up, you know, in the sort of chain of the Great Migration. My grandparents mm-hmm. came from Arkansas and then we moved to Cleveland before finally mm-hmm. moving here to L.A. Um, and so mm-hmm. they told me what sundown towns were. I've never experienced them. But as someone who, you know, I think you were born in 1960, um, mm-hmm. 
did you have any experience with sundown sundown towns or did your parents sort of tell you about them at all yeah we i mean as i said we we i'm i'm straight up from our people straight up from mississippi and alabama and so you know we we heard the stories uh, and i i I grew up in an all-black uh, uh, environment. I, I, the, the world shifted in, in uh, with the Vietnam War, and uh, when we were in Detroit, uh, we had a, the first black mayor uh, in Detroit. And I, I don't think he was the first black mayor in the country. I think that happened in Newark. Um, but uh, Coleman Young, uh, black power, can't judge him by uh, by 2020. But Coleman Young told the white people, "We don't need you. Get out." He's the mayor of the fifth largest city in the United States, and he said, "Get out." And you know, after the riots uh, in '67, by '69, they all left, and uh, the world shifted, and the tax base left the city, and um, we started to um, to re- recognize. We started to see that um you know there was a consequence you know but yeah, again you can't judge by by 2020 it was it was we had gone through people the riots had happened and we had been beaten and the and the the you know turn the other cheek people were tired of that and the and it it hadn't it hadn't helped uh keep martin alive it hadn't helped anything um so so or so we thought um, so, but but the, from that point, the you know f- uh, from '69 when our neighborhood flipped from all white and a smattering of blacks over that summer of '69, the neighborhood our neighborhood flipped from all white smattering of blacks, all black smattering of whites. It flipped over the summer. White people left the city that summer, and the nature of uh, the city shifted until today. Um, and it it it, dove, it bottomed out at the bankruptcy, and we're beginning to, to climb up. So, you know, all of those those terms, you know, it, a, a lot of it too is the fact that we don't, you know, nobody wants to talk about slavery. Nobody wants to talk about, you know, we don't want to talk about it. Then why are we got to talk about slavery? So, you know, it is that's who we are. That's where we came from. You know, so if we don't want to talk about it, you know, they ain't talking about it. And um, so we got uh, we got to talk about quote unquote as uh, uh, Professor Emerita or President Emerita from Spelman Genetic Coast. We got to talk about our differences until our differences don't make a difference. We know you have to go, Mr. Vance, but we thank you so much for joining us on Black Girl Watching. There's so much we could talk to you all day. There's so much good stuff in this episode. Um, we didn't even get into. George possibly being Tick's father, um, the mysterious woman George was dancing with. But y'all listening, stay tuned. We are going to get into it. Um, but we thank you so much, Mr. Vance. Please come back anytime. Amen. I will. We will keep you posted. And uh, I'm sure Ms. Gilda will have me talking to you again very soon. Oh, sure. Thank we you. would love that. Thank you so much, Mr. Vance. Yes, ma'am. All right, we are so grateful to have Corny B. Vance on the show. Such a legend. Um, so grateful for his time. Uh, hopefully, we will see more of George. You know, hopefully this isn't the end, um, but it feels like the end. So let, let's get into some of the questions that still need answers after this episode. Brittany, what questions did you have? I had a couple of questions. Speaking of the woman that you were talking about, Dancing with George, I've watched this episode a few times and maybe I missed it. I know he has a picture of her in his wallet. I I get the sense that she's his first love, perhaps even first wife that died um, obviously before him. Um, I was a little bit caught off guard. This woman popped up in, in the, in his vision when they were sort of all being tested where Letty is having this, experience with the fake Atticus and Atticus is fighting this woman from the Korean War and then um, George is kind of getting this woman who's trying to beckon him to the other side like come be with me she also says you'll be able to fly with your children right plural right and 
I'm like, okay, what other kids does George have? I shout out to Uncle George. I love him. But did he have, like, a whole other family? Did they get killed? Um, what happened that this woman is talking about, come fly with your children? Right. So here is what happened and who this woman is. This woman, Dora, is Pause. George. Hold on. Is this from This is from the first two screen. episodes. Yes, it's okay. not a spoiler. Okay, it's from the first two go episodes. I'm, this... I clearly missed it. Yes, ahead. you missed it. I'm about, to sh- I'm about to show you where it's at. So Dora, the woman that was in his wallet and also in his vision that's trying to beckon him to the other side to be with his other children, this is Atticus's mother and Montrose's dead wife. Ah, right, yes. right, 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 George right. Because how do we not affair. talk about this? Right? How do we not talk about this? Because when George is kind of dying before the house starts crumbling, he tells Montrose, um, we don't know who who Atticus is dad. How do we not talk about he does, nobody knows, I guess. Between the two of them, one of them is Atticus's actual father, right? And it's and probably so, George. It's probably George. Just yeah. like and so they, apparently, you know, she must have had other children. I don't know if she had a miscarriage or whatever with the other children. Um, that were never born, but apparently their affair was a very long time and George and Montrose had an agreement not to ever speak about it, and that's kind of the way, but we see why Montrose has been so mean um, to Tick growing up and why their relationship is so estranged, and we also see why Montrose and George's relationship is kind of strained, but George is always making excuses for Montrose, and you know, in the first episode we see Atticus kind of blow up at, at George for not defending him and defending his father instead. And he's like, why didn't you protect me? You know, I, I'm the kid in the situation. Why are you always protecting mm-hmm. this grown alcoholic man who is harmful to me? Um, they actually have a fight about it. And it seems like the result of, you know, George's guilt over, you know, having an affair with Montrose's wife. Mm, yeah, I was trying to figure. I okay, okay, I get it. So I was trying to, figure, I was trying to figure out like who, how, in what world either one of these people could be his dad. Like, and oh, that makes me feel like that makes me take Uncle George down a couple of notches. Obviously, he loves Hippolyta. He loves Diana, but he still very much loves what's her name, Donna. Her name is Dora. Dora. But he, you'll he see in the very vi- much loves her. Well, and you'll see in the vision too. I mean, I think, you know, he had to see somebody who would actually entice him to do what the, you know, what the white people wanted him to do, you know, which was essentially give up the quest for Montrose and just kind of turn himself over into this like dream state that's not real. Um, you can't use a real person. Um, I think, um, you know, he, he's just clever. They knew he was clever and he could go back home if he wanted to be with Hippolyta. He didn't have to stay in that house to be with Hippolyta. He would have to stay in that house to be with this woman who is dead. Um, and so I think that was why, you know, they chose to make her manifest in his mind um, rather than his wife. Um, so I don't, and I think that Hippolyta came along significantly later in time. Honestly, mm-hmm. you see the age difference yeah. between Diana yeah. and Atticus for one, but beyond that, uh, in the vision, you know, she's saying, remember when we were all back in Tulsa and Tulsa right. is where, um, they're all from. So, you know, now they live in Chicago, you know, how much time has to have passed between when they lived in Tulsa and when they moved to Chicago, um, after, right. you know, the, the riots, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, not the riots, the, the race massacre, massacre that happened, um, as in, in Tulsa. So I think that, you know, I don't think that George was cheating on Hippolyta in any way. I do think because he's still carrying around her image in his wallet that he obviously does still have, um, so much love for her and looks out for Atticus as just as much as a son as he would a nephew. Hey, shout out to you for clearing that up for me. Hey. Um, <laughs> That's what I I'm here for. That is what you're here for, even though I've seen it more than one time. I was just <laughs> like, who is this woman? 
Um, but the whole children thing spoke, like jumped out at me. I'm like, did Hippolyta have some miscarriages? Like, what happened? Um, Hippolyta may have had some miscarriages as well. We really, yeah. really don't know um, who those children yeah. are. That, but it's it's obviously you know, she's not real. So this is obviously what is going on in George's mind and they're making it manifest. Right. So this is something that, you know, he, he knows what the loss is. He knows what he's missing. Um, and yeah, because he does die as a result of the actions of what's happening in that house, um, you know, the book that he was reading, his favorite book, The House on the Borderlands, um, is, is come to fruition. He does end up being with, the love of his life forever, um, which sucks for Hippolyta and definitely sucks for his child, Diana. Um, but it seems like there's a bit of peace kind of to that, even though that's not what he wanted. He kissed her goodbye and he's, you know, he said, I'm, this is white people trying to trick me and I'm not going down this road, but it does seem like there are people on the other side that are waiting for him and would are happy to embrace him. So we have so much to look forward to in episode three. Um, so catch us back here next week, same time, same place. Um, and also in the meantime, definitely hit us up on Twitter, Black Girl Watching. Um, hit us up on the hashtag Black Girl Watching if you have any questions, anything that you want us to get into, anything that you saw that we didn't uh, catch, let us know about it. Um, and we'll shout you out in our next episode. Definitely subscribe. Uh, we're on Spotify. Uh, we're on Anchor. Make sure to subscribe and get every episode of Black Girl Watching um, as soon as it comes out. Yeah, we appreciate y'all and we look forward to the next episode of Lovecraft Country. And with that, I am Brittany Danielle. I'm Brooke Obi. Black Girl out. Taxes taking my whole damn check. The junkies make me a nervous wreck. The price of food is going up. And as if all that crap wasn't enough, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the